and welcome to the first episode of CarPods, brought to you by Manash Karyupir. This is Faraz, the host of this podcast series and the Vice President of MCP. This episode will put some light on the realities of working in Malaysia as an international student. If you are interested to know what the future holds for you as an international student in Malaysia, you have come to the right place. Now, due to the wholesome requests by the audience from our previous event, today I have with me Manif, who was, a, who was also a speaker at the Manash Alumni, Alumni Talk event held by MCP earlier this semester. He is a Manash Alumni and being an international student himself, we would know more about the realities in first person. So sit back and get ready to take some notes because this one is going to be a very informative discussion. Now without further ado, let's dive right into it and welcome our guest and speaker for today, Maneeb. Hey Maneeb, the stage is all yours, so you, you can start with your discussions on the realities and challenges the students face in Malaysia as an as, as international student. Um, hello Fraz, thank you so much for uh, having me and uh, thank you to all those uh, listeners who have tuned into this uh, podcast. Um, I'll give a bit of introduction about myself first, um, so people know a little bit about my background yeah. and uh, then I'll move into the challenges and issues that international students face uh, once they've graduated and they're looking for a job in Malaysia. So I graduated with a degree in psychology and marketing, it's called Bachelor's in Psychological Science and Business. I finished my last semester at the end of 2019 and then in 2020 I got my uh, graduation gown graduation certificate um, so I, I was in Malaysia from 2017 to 2019 and in my three years I had a really enjoyable time and um, at the same time uh, when we came to Malaysia we had this uh, uh, notion I mean there was this uh, talk around the town that um, it's very difficult to find uh, jobs in Malaysia for international students but at the same time there was also a bit of opportunity for internships so as an international student, I did my internship in Malaysia uh, at the end of 2018. So in Malaysia, the internship uh, period is usually between November to February. So I took that opportunity and worked at a social enterprise. Uh, but at the same time, when I was working there, I was also wondering um, after one year, once, I've, once I'm done with my degree, uh, what kind of job will I be looking for? Will I be, con- will I be looking uh, towards uh, maybe approaching my internship employer and asking them for a job or uh, would I be exploring a different opportunity. Um, Although I did try to look for jobs um, along with my other friends as well, but unfortunately, uh, like like how we will connect back to the issues, um, the problem was with international it's really difficult to find a job and there are actually three main challenges that I'll uh, I'll try to like highlight this problem in three different uh, points right. and starting with point number one which is um, the absence of a postgraduate work permit in Malaysia so in Canada and UK you might find uh, that when undergraduate students are completing their uh, degree uh, they're allowed and they're eligible to apply for a postgraduate work permit which is also referred to as PGWP uh, what this does is it allows students uh, to find a job once they have graduated and then they can start uh, working uh, on that uh, work permit. So that work permit is actually like a key for them to find employment in uh, in, their, in that country. Mm-hmm. However, in Malaysia, the case is that there is no postgraduate work permit. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, 
uh, the the reality is and uh, it's quite amusing as well at the same time that once you're done with your degree meaning you've received your final results um the university will immediately ask you to uh, leave the country um and there are a few things to consider here mm-hmm. once you get your results uh once you get your final uh, grades and you know that you have passed and you have completed your degree um nash will ask you to book your uh, return ticket uh, back to your country within i think it's two weeks or one i think it's a one month time that you have that they have a one month window in which you have to go back because if you don't go back then uh, basically you won't get your graduate certificate uh, in the next semester so you so there's this policy that you have to go back in order mm-hmm. to get your degree all right so you can't really risk uh, staying in malaysia and uh, and not getting your degree because then you are wasting your 3 years in malaysia right. so what they do is they essentially ask you that you once you complete your degree uh, you need to book a return ticket you need to cancel your student pass so my student pass will be valid for the next 6 months mm-hmm. uh, and that's a fact but what they will do is they will ask you to cancel your student pass show an evidence of your uh, flight ticket and uh, then go back to your country so once you go back to your country um even if there is any hope of applying for uh like um a work visa that is on because you essentially have to go back at all cost in order to be uh, graduated so challenge number 1 uh, to sum it up in one sentence there is there is an absence of a post graduate work permit for internationals in malaysia and that's why they have these visa issues all right okay sorry to interrupt uh, you uh, but uh, many international students would uh, ask at this point that you know uh, what if we already have a job in that one month do we still have to go back or we can apply for uh, work permit in malaysia so how does that work is it possible see see the question is that is there even a is there even a post graduate work permit Okay. there isn't an post graduate permit mm-hmm. so basically you can't really apply for even if you do apply for a job um your student visa cannot be converted into a post graduate work permit right. what you have to do is you have to go back to your home country mm-hmm. look for a job look for a sponsor once they sponsor you then you apply for your work visa so your student pass is cancelled you go back you apply for the whole visa again so you can't really apply and like start a job uh being in malaysia so you have to go back and then look for a job and apply for a uh, work visa okay even if even if the employer is willing to give you a job you you have to go back to your country and you know reapply, uh, reapply for a visa or or they have to sponsor again and then you have to come back to malaysia again right so for example you you were able to find a job um by the time you got your results right mm-hmm. now your student pass cannot be converted into a into working visa okay the student pass has to be cancelled and that's the policy it has to be cancelled mm-hmm. and you go back and then you fulfill all the documentation that are required for that work visa so that getting so it's not like you can transfer your student visa into a directly a post graduate work permit okay. you have to get your visa cancelled go back and fill in all the documentation and that's uh, actually quite lengthy because you need a police certificate and all of that stuff for a work visa okay. so so you would see that so you see the process is that you 
cash flow visa you go back you start this whole process of work visa again you can't really transfer that to no, really, you you can't transfer your visa okay before you move on to other challenges so like uh, i have a question uh, from from the audience which would coincide really perfectly with this uh, discussion is that you know once if students go back to their home country right so how hard is it for an international student to get a job in malaysia once they're back there and they want to come back to work in malaysia how hard can it be to get a job extremely hard because if you go back to your home country um and you do end up getting a job because maybe the employer saw that you had studied from a national university malaysia and then they are willing to interview you so if you have like maybe so that also depends on the interview in, on the recruitment process some inter- some companies have like three four stages of interview some even have those assessment tests that you have to fill some have even group interviews so how are you going to like uh, participate in all of that once you're back in uh, your uh, home country so that actually creates a challenge and that actually creates uh, it's actually an obstacle in uh, connecting you with uh, the employers because you're not there physically right so it's really hard for an employee also to trust a person who's thousands of miles away in a, another country overseas and and they like have to take that risk of sponsoring you so and even uh, when it comes to sponsoring i'll add another point here and that's something that we've heard from our seniors as well right. see the challenge is that employers if they want to hire an expat uh basically an international student to work for them uh if they want to hire an expert they need to have they need to they need to set a minimum salary for that expert so it can't be like okay so once you graduate from once you graduate from university like if you even if you look at malaysian students once they graduate they'll end up with a job which pays them 2500 ringgit or 3000 ringgit and some might even end up with a job which pays them 1500 or 2000 ringgit and that's the uh, standard that uh, we actually see around in our batch um but for an expat 2000 ringgit will not work because um, to the best of my knowledge what i've heard and what i've uh, uh, read it's it's that employers have to pay you a minimum uh, salary for them to be able to hire you so uh, it's actually uh, 5000 ringgit from what i've heard right. the uh, employers need to pay a minimum 5000 salary to uh, an expat if they want to hire and that's a policy that they've said now just consider it from an employer's perspective so you have to i am an employer and i so for example you are an employer you have two options on your table yeah on one hand you have a student who did uh so both students did bachelor's in business right both are business students yeah. and they both have a they both have a, like a good cgpa above 3 3.2 okay yeah. and that's very solid so one of them lives in malaysia knows the language knows the culture knows the environment has a proper commute has a place to live and basically knows every single thing yeah. on the other hand they have a student who has just graduated he or she went back to their home europe to their home country and they don't know the language they don't know the local language they don't have enough exposure to the local environment to the local uh, context and at the same time um the final stages either they pay someone who they don't know really well they pay them 5000 ringgit mm-hmm. yep or they pay someone 2500 ringgit and get the same work done right exactly. so why would they take that risk so that is where the hesitation from the employers also come in so this is a point where a lot of internationals might uh, they they sometimes play this uh, 
blame game that uh, blame game that uh, these employers are not willing to hire low uh, international students these mm-hmm. companies and corporates in malaysia they're all very biased see you need to understand the policy uh, of the government you need to understand the policies that they have they can't just hire anyone like that and uh, pay them whatever you want to pay i mean for you 5000 for even for international even 20 2000 would be a lot yeah. meaning even if they afford their rent and all of that that they have their housing and stuff they 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 can find an affordable housing within 900 ringgit with utilities right yeah they maybe pay 400 or 500 ringgit for their groceries and then they pay something for their like transport and some entertainment you still end up saving 300 to 400 ringgit uh, at the end of the month so you still have some saving in, even if they pay you 2000 ringgit mm-hmm. so imagine if they pay you 5000 ringgit you can you yeah. can actually live quite luxury in a luxurious way because you're so see here's the thing um you're living as an individual you don't have a family right now yeah. you're living as like you have one person you don't need to own an apartment you might just live as a, so you might just consider living as a student right yeah. i mean you were living with you have you had one bedroom you had everything you had all the facilities in an apartment uh you were living, living as a student even after you graduate and if even if you end up with a job you still you can still live like a student because you don't really have a second person who you need to uh who's dependent on you right yeah. and so the money that you save you can actually send that back home as well so so the the idea here was to give an example of uh from an employer's perspective that you have two options on the table right one is a local student one is an international one person you don't know you still have end up paying them father ringgit on the other hand you can pay a person who you know well who you know that can deliver and the same time you don't really have to pay that much so it's the policies that actually uh, really matter in this regard all right okay so to to summarize this uh, this point and this uh, this discussion uh, over our first challenge uh what tips and tricks would you like actually give to international students to stand out and you know to overcome these challenges so i would really say that this is something that you don't have to think about in the final year or in your penultimate year yeah this is something that you have to plan out even before applying to uh, a university in malaysia okay. so once see you need once you once you're done with your high school and you're looking for an undergraduate university you need to look at your all your options that you have and you need you need to evaluate all your pros and cons right. so it really depends on what your objective is <laughs> if your objective is that you want to spend like 3 years outside abroad study in an international environment uh study a degree which might not be offered in your home country and you want to come back so that's fine you really don't have to care about or complain about not getting a job uh, as an expat <laughs> but if your goal is that you want to uh do your undergraduate and at the same time you you want to settle abroad find a job work there for a couple of years and settle abroad and then bring your family then i don't think so you should be considering malaysia as an option okay um unless malaysia changes its policies and becomes uh, quite friendly uh, when it comes to uh, hiring experts so it really depends like on what your goals and objectives are that is something that has to be set and decided at the start of the year even like before starting uni you need to understand if i'm going to malaysia i know i will have to come back after 3 years there is no guarantee of a job yes however if i were to say that not a single person can get a job then i would be incorrect to say that yes. because that's not true 
there are students who have ended up with a job and then they don't they don't just belong to one international inter, like nationality there are people from different countries who have still ended up with a job but what is the percentage i think it's pretty less minimal. than 1% yeah pretty minimal and i would, yes. I would also yeah very I would, very yeah, very minimal i would also just suggest to the audience listening is that uh, you know once uh, you you you're already in, in university in malaysia uh you've made this decision so now uh from what munib is saying what i understand from this and what i pick up from is that you should you should start looking at options if you really want to work in malaysia right am i am i correct you should you should you should, you should start looking at options of working in malaysia you know you should uh, gain experience as much as you can build, build connections that's the most important thing if you have connections within malaysia probably they would be more familiar with you they would want to you know uh, probably they they are more familiar with you in fact and they would want to hire you and they know what uh, what kind of uh, uh, resume you 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 bring on the table so the ultimate goal here is that if your ultimate goal is uh, that you want to you want to find you want to work like after you graduate you want to work and you want to settle abroad i would say don't come to malaysia mm-hmm. okay like i don't know save some funds find yourself a sponsorship or get some like uh, uh, those scholarships from unis and go to canada uk or those developed countries where there is uh, where you have an opportunity of applying for a postgraduate work but if you don't uh, want to consider working abroad you can still um, then you can apply to malaysia just for the sake of experience and the degree and then you can of course try for a job it's not like you shouldn't try you should try for a job and who knows you might you still might end up with a job uh, when it comes to internship your internationals are able to get the internship it's not that hard okay. uh, because the university actually conducts those career fairs so those career fairs are basically a bridge which allow you to connect with employers and then they can give you an internship exactly. but when it comes to like uh, finding a job the second uh, area that i would like to mention about is uh, uh, what you really want to study so for example there are students who 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 basically decide what they want to study based on what they want to like uh, end up basically what field they want to end up going in right mm-hmm. so a lot of students might be like okay i don't want to study like uh, i i like business right for yes. example if i like business but i don't want to study business i'm going to like study computer science because i know that with this degree i'll end up with a job yeah so if you have that perspective if you want to try to take that uh, route um fine but at the other day you're willing to compromise your entire degree just for the sake of the job i mean my in my opinion i say that you should study what you really like studying because you have to stay like for 3 or 4 years studying undergraduate so don't uh, so don't like pursue something that you really don't want to like uh, that you don't enjoy or you don't find interesting right yes. um but there are students who do this they they do not interested in a particular subject but they still end up studying a subject just because they can uh, find a job and then settle abroad so again it comes back to what your objective is there's nothing there's no right and wrong in that um, it really depends on what your final goal is so right. a lot of students um, now here's a second tip for uh, people who are still considering to like come and study in malaysia if you are considering to study computer sciences mm-hmm. um, you have a better likelihood of Uh, find of even getting of getting a job than any other student who might be from the art school who might be from the business school 
who might even be from the Bandstone Engineering School, right? Okay. So if you have a computer science degree, you have a much higher uh, chance of uh, getting a job in Malaysia. And we have seen this um, uh, from a lot of our uh, people in our circle as well, not just from Manaj Malaysia, but um, a lot of other universities in uh, Malaysia as well. People who studied computer science, those internationals actually got a job in some uh, uh, data science company or tech company or like any software or tech company they still end up with the job because for two reasons one not everyone can do some computer sciences yes i mean i don't really believe in that i like anybody can go and do computer sciences mm-hmm. you need to have that technical knowledge you need to have those analytical skills in order to study that field and actually like end up working in that field so not everyone has a brain to do it right yeah but Let's be honest, business and arts are those areas which if you work hard and if you put in a lot of effort, if you put in that extra effort and if you're consistent, you can still uh, grasp that knowledge and learn something, right? It's not technical. Yes. But when you come, when it comes to medicine and uh, and uh, like computer science, um, you need to have that level of technical understanding and that interest as well in order to like, uh, be successful in that field. Yeah. So. Um, for those who are like considering to apply for computer sciences and uh, they're really interested in that field, I would say that you'll still have a good chance of like ending up with a job in Malaysia because first you'll have those technical sales, skills. Uh, second, not everybody is pursuing that degree. You'll find more students in, in business uh, school and art school than the computer science, right? In the IT sector, you won't find the ratio is not balanced. There are more people in that. There are less people in that. So. The supply is less, the demand is more. Now, every every single entity, every single firm, every single sector across the world requires IT people. Yeah. Tell me one sector which does not have like exactly. uh, tech people. And in this age of uh, technological revolution, we are of already like mm-hmm. seen that, and I'm sure there's a lot more to come. Yeah. Uh, there's a huge demand, but the supply is less. Why is the supply is less? Because not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody can afford that degree, and not everybody can be successful in that degree. Okay. So that's something that is uh, really worth uh, considering. Mm-hmm. And also, you mentioned earlier that you know, um, you know, a few people who who, who may have or who who have uh, gotten a job, and they they belong from different nationality, different background different uh, degrees different area of expertise so uh, what do you think they might have done right that you know current students can also uh, do that um, I can't really like exactly speak from their experience every step that they took but from a general point of view what I can say is uh, and I'll share a few uh, like uh, tips that anybody like from any school or any discipline can actually follow and try their best because at the end of the day if you don't end up with a job and then you like wonder oh why i did not get that job in malaysia um what's important to consider is whether you tried enough or not right yeah. so i'll share a few tips and if you try those maybe at the end of the at the end of your degree you can still say that see i tried i did my best uh, but i still did not get a job and that's fine i mean maybe uh, you were meant to do something else. Maybe you were meant to be in some other place and that was more beneficial for you, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be disheartened as long as you try and you're like consistent about it. Mm-hmm. So tip number one is that, um, um, so I wouldn't say that you should study computer sciences just so that you can you can have a better likelihood of getting a job. What I would say is that in your first two years, 
try to look for relevant internships and when i'm talking about internship um i'm referring to those companies and firms uh where your expertise might work mm-hmm. so for example if you're studying something like environmental sciences right yeah. so find a company for your internship which is related to that okay another example yes you might be studying marketing right yeah. so when it comes to internships you apply for internship in a company which is maybe linked to marketing or which may be offering marketing or you might be working in that marketing department right so try to look for internship which is relevant to your field so that you can actually uh, link it you can actually relate to it and you can say that oh i actually went and actually did something that was relevant so that's very important yeah uh, the second tip is actually building up on this uh, first one and that is when you're applying for internships of course it's best that you apply for as many companies as possible because as an intern you don't really have to worry about oh um, i really wanted that specific mm-hmm. job i really wanted to be in that specific field but i did not get in that field and i got it in somewhere else yeah. it doesn't matter as long as you're still enjoying that internship experience exactly. um so that really actually matters a lot but of course i would say that if you can get a relevant mm-hmm. uh, internship then go for that if not then fine you can do something else as well by the same time when you're looking for internships maybe look for companies which have a track history of of hiring um experts yes. so there are companies in malaysia uh international as well as local uh where you would see that there are um, uh, experts working you might see people from india from indonesia from around the world you see that they have uh, of international people are working there so the company is willing to sponsor them they have this policy they have this uh, culture and they might be willing to uh, like uh, hire you uh, one of the one of the like um, prime examples of a company in malaysia which has uh, quite a diverse working force is mindshare or uh, mind valley right. so mind valley is one of those companies where you would see national you will see a lot of nationality Right. from across the world you see a lot of people working there mm-hmm. so look for so look for internships in companies which have a history of hiring experts so once you start uh, like interning there um do your best try to get as much work as done show your passion show your creativity um i would say be the best intern there so once you uh, finish your internship try to stay connected with your employers try to stay connected with your hiring managers so after one year once you once you're graduating you can Uh, check back with them again and tell them and sh- like keep updating them stay in touch with them tell them about uh, what you're doing what your plans are what your expect- expectations are i don't know maybe like uh, grab a lunch with them i did it i did the same thing with my uh, uh, employers as well so basically when i was interning after even finishing my internship after a couple of months i used to meet with them i used to have like dinners with them so it was kind of like a good connection with them uh that is actually needed uh, and that has to be established if you're willing to like look in the long term uh and if you're willing to work with them so that's a, like a good uh, area to explore because um if you graduate and you start looking for new companies that new company will be like uh, basically experimenting with you right exactly. but if you have interned with that same company mm-hmm. that company would know that for example faraz has uh, worked uh in our company as an intern for 3 months and unequivocally he has shown great performance he has given us good results and we know that if we invest in faraz uh, right now 
yeah um he will take us to great heights he okay. will help us achieve our objectives he will like help us achieve our uh, uh, goals and kpis as well exactly. so they will have that level of trust mm-hmm. uh in you and that is actually very important mm-hmm. so that is something that you may have to consider but here's the thing here's the reality i know a lot of people from my batch not like we even myself i didn't even consider that uh, like maybe munib you should look for internships uh you should look for companies which have a history of hiring experts you try for uh, you try securing internship there mm-hmm. and then once you're done with the internship stay in touch with them and then connect with them and see if they will be interested in uh, hiring you uh uh probably because see they don't have a reason to not hire you right exactly, yeah. they have a history of hiring experts you have already worked with them they know you why would they not be willing to hire you as yeah. long as there is a vacancy so you have two years year one so here's what the students don't do in year one yeah like once they get the three months uh, break uh they go home they relax and they end up doing nothing at all. exactly yeah. right because they're like we look for internship in the second year yeah and i did the same thing i didn't apply for internship in the first year no. uh even though i did get one i did get one but for some reason i wasn't willing to stay because i didn't really want to like pay my household uh, expenses mm-hmm. uh, because i knew that if i were to stay i would have to pay more to stay right mm-hmm. i won't get enough money from my internship to afford my housing and living so that's why i went back and it was like uh, a lot of internationals they prefer going back in like their first year because they want to be with their families it's like the first time they're coming and the first time they're going back uh, but i did apply for internship in the second and i did get one um, after i came back from the uk um so that was like uh, three months well spent uh, but at the same time there are some areas which a lot of people from our batch do not consider and i'm trying to use this platform uh with from like through you guys i'm trying to communicate this so that people who are about to start or maybe um if they are in that phase they can try considering this because then they'll have a much better option of uh getting a job and this is very simple i mean this is something that i wish somebody could have told me or some example that maybe like see i feel like and that's the truth um, i think we didn't have like good mentors okay. in our time um we really didn't have any good mentors because one of the reasons for not having good mentors um was the fact that they weren't enough internationals at that time in malaysia especially from um uh, like considering a country like pakistan uh, we really didn't have enough uh, seniors uh to guide us and all the things that i'm telling you a lot of that is actually coming from the seniors who did end up getting a job and they were from the computer sciences background all right, all right. so mm-hmm. based on that experience i i am actually sharing that but then again there were not enough people um to give us those tips and i guess there was maybe a lack of effort from our end as well um okay. i guess that is one of the reasons why we still like uh I mean we tried but we still weren't successful but we're okay with what uh, where we stand right now mm-hmm. but I just feel like a lot of friends end up like once they finish their unis they were like they're like I know that's feeling that situation they're like oh now because see once you spend 3 years there you might have that level of attachment with that place that you were living for the yeah. next like for the past 3 or 4 years right mm-hmm. and once you once you done with your uni that is a point where you feel like is there a possibility that i could maybe find a job and stay yeah. uh but then your options have run out and you feel like you could have done this and that uh maybe earlier uh, but you couldn't because you were not aware of that process 
so then you go back but here's a the thought but here's a thought in my previous session as well i had did uh, share a couple of uh, tips and here i'm also try to um repeat those as well that these are some of the areas that you can actually like uh, yeah, consider sure. uh, when you're uh, applying for internships and jobs in malaysia all right all right yeah i mean these these tips are pretty fantastic actually because uh, as you mentioned that you didn't have any mentors to guide you but uh, now that you've you've uh, gotten first hand experience i believe that these students who are listening right now uh, can actually gain valuable insights from this talk actually so i i'm really impressed you know knowing uh, these 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 things uh, and these tips and tricks uh another question i would like to ask you uh and the audience are pretty um you know uh, curious to know this and many people have also asked me um that how much can an international student earn while working as a full time student so uh are the internships paid and uh, do do students get in uh, get paid enough so so that you know they can handle their own expenses and stuff like that so i'll um I'll break it. I'll break this down into two areas. One is um, internships, and one is in uh, jobs, proper full-time jobs. All right. So in internships, um, most of the companies in Malaysia they they pay you for they pay you a stipend, uh, a monthly stipend um, for working. Um, it, big companies, international companies, might pay you nine hundred to thousand ringgit for like. On a, on a month per month, okay, okay. so you can use that money to pay for your like rent and utilities. Okay. Um, but that's very rare. It, that that case doesn't happen all the time. Maybe like there's not some people like end up getting uh, an internship in an international company. So that's like very rare. Now the second year is uh, engineering firms. They are likely to pay you around seven fifty to eight hundred ringgit, and that and this is something that I'm quoting like uh, from two years back. Okay. So. uh this might have changed this might have gone up might have gone down possibly might have gone up uh but the figures that i'm quoting is from like the like, like two years ago three years ago right. actually three years ago okay, okay. uh 2017 and 2018 so as an intern um in any like business field or arts field you'll end up getting a monthly stipend of 500 ringgit right. so in 500 ringgit you can pay for your groceries you can pay for your entertainment you can pay for your transport and you can pay some like some of your utilities but of course you can't um pay for your full rental expenses and your living expenses in malaysia right. so 500 ringgit is for like normal internships 750 to 800 around like for engineering firms and 900 to 1000 ringgit is for like international big 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 companies right. so that was for internships yeah. now coming to the full time jobs now uh like i said earlier as well uh experts do end up getting like paid quite well in malaysia okay uh and if they're living like uh on their own um they will end up uh, they will end up saving a lot so for example if you get a minimum salary if you get a minimum of 2500 ringgit okay. in 2500 ringgit you can if you're living alone and if you're living like uh uh in an affordable housing area um you you still end up uh, saving around 700 to 800 ringgit it still see it really depends on your life and i can't really like confirm or you'll be able to exactly save 500 ringgit it really depends if you're living in a 700 ringgit uh, apartment like a one bedroom apartment you'll end up saving more but if you look if you're living in a studio apartment which is like around uh, 1000 or 1200 or 1200 
then you won't save more, right? You will save less yeah. even if you get like 2500 ringgit. And then it also depends on which area you're living in, right? Sunway city is quite an expensive area. Expensive, yes, um, you you might end up with a single bedroom, but you might end up with a a single bedroom with an attached bath. You'll end up paying like. Two thousand ringgit for that. Exactly. And that's like two years ago. I don't know. It might have increased now. Yeah, I mean, but if you go to like, for example, Cyberjaya. Yeah. So, for example, if you go to Cyberjaya, you can, you can, you can, you can in twelve hundred to fourteen hundred ringgit, you can get a studio apartment. Exactly. Not even a single bedroom at all. You can get a studio apartment. Even our student dorm. It depends where you're living and how you're living. Even our student dorms exactly. are pretty expensive. Like, yeah. so it really depends. Yeah, it yeah. really depends on your area. It depends on your dorm. Like, uh, you might be working as, uh, as like as a full time. You might have a full time job, but you might still want to uh, live in a student dorm because you want to save money. That is completely your choice. It really depends on how much you're getting paid, mm-hmm. and it also depends on where your office is. Yeah. So, if your office is in KL, you wouldn't. Consider living in Penang or Putrajaya, of course. Yes. You would you would prefer living somewhere in KL or maybe on the outskirts of KL so that you can commute easily, yeah. so that you can save time and you can also save the money on commute. I mean, if you if you're going if you're taking like industry travel, like if you're taking a Grab or something, you might end up paying for the toll every every exactly. like every day, yeah. and that's going to cost you a lot. Mm-hmm. But if you're taking a public transport, uh, that would there you will have to pay less but then again it really depends on the distance and the time as well mm-hmm. so it comes off as like a compromise mm-hmm. are you willing to compromise on your time like you might you might wish to travel for one hour and uh, and uh, live in an affordable housing scheme or maybe you would prefer living somewhere near you would prefer paying a higher rent like maybe for living in KL you might have you might end up paying a higher rent rent mm-hmm. uh, but you save the money on commute so yeah. you have to decide where you're comfortable and how you want to save it uh how do you how you want to save your uh, monthly expense so okay. 2500 you can you can definitely save as a, as an uh, even as an international student i mean i remember i was as an international student i was able to excluding the rent excluding mm-hmm. the rent I was able to afford my monthly expenses within 900 ringgit. Okay. There were people who were able to like, uh, there were people who had monthly expenses of only 600 or 700 ringgit oh, wow. because they were saving less. Yeah. They, they were saving more basically, and they had their own ways of saving. So it really depends on how you say. I mean, I know friends who were paying 2000 ringgit. They were they had monthly expenses of 2000 ringgit, mm-hmm. and they were living like a really like a luxurious life. Okay. I mean, they had that. They were fortunate. So. Why not live like a prince of princes if you have that money? Yeah. So if you have your money, it really depends. So for example, consider a situation where I have to, if I have to send money back home, right, and I need to like uh, support my family as well. Okay. So I might have to save more and so that I can save that money and mm-hmm. send it abroad. But if you do end up with a five thousand ringgit job, then that's like. Uh, that's like a golden opportunity. Yeah. You can still like uh, live like properly, like like you can still live like in a really good manner within uh, two thousand ringgit, and you'll still end up with a three thousand ringgit. But then again, um, um, Malaysia in Malaysia you still have to pay for education. You still have to pay for healthcare. It's not free unless you pursue the government tool. But uh, then again. As an international student, you're not a citizen there, so don't expect that healthcare and education will be free for you, right? Yeah. You still might end up paying a, a lower amount, but then at the end of the day, 
there is a huge difference between the private sector and the government sector. The private sector is, of course, uh, much better uh, in terms of its service and quality than the government right. uh, sector. So consider that as well. You might save with a 5,000 ringgit salary, you might save 2,000 ringgit or 3,000 ringgit. Uh, but then also consider uh, in the long run as well mm-hmm. uh, the healthcare and your other expenses. Maybe some you might have to end up getting an insurance. You might want to like buy a car. So it really depends on what lifestyle you are choosing. Okay. Uh, so um, you know, moving towards the last question I have from the audience, and it's pretty off topic as well. Uh, so, so the individual has mentioned here that uh, how to juggle work and studies together, because obviously it might get hectic, you know, as you've, you, you, you'll all, you're, you, you'll be working and you'll be studying as well. So how, how did you personally manage that? So there are two things here. Um, one, when you're, when you have an, when you're, in, when you're like, when you're having your internship and you're doing your internship, mm-hmm. you're not studying at the same time. You're doing your internship in that three month break. Okay. That is what the universities also recommend. That is what the employers also prefer. And that's also the smart thing to do. Yeah. You, you can't do your internship while you're studying. That is, I mean, no, that's not possible. If you have classes five days a week, when will you go for internship? When will yeah. you go to your internship? Right. Mm-hmm. So internship is in that three month break. Um, that is the time when you're doing your internship. That is the time when you're not studying. So you don't really, there's no struggle there. Okay. Uh, then it comes with a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Now, once you graduated, you're not studying, like you're not studying anymore. Okay. You end up working full-time and that is what you should do. Mm-hmm. I would recommend that after you like finish undergraduate, don't do your master's immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to do your master's immediately get some work experience like go work full time don't have worry about studies properly focus on your career on your job for at least two years after two years then you should go and do your masters because a lot of time masters also requires an experience and at the same time consider this Mm -hmm. you end up doing your undergraduate and then you immediately go to your masters right Right. you spend three years in undergraduate you spend one year in masters before you were doing your masters the job market was open and there were a plenty of jobs Mm -hmm. you started doing your masters and after you're done with your masters the job market went down they're not in my job there are a lot of there's a lot of demand there's a lot of supply at the same time there are a lot of people who are competing for the same job but who will the employers hire Yes. Will they hire someone with an experience or will they hire someone with no experience? Exactly. Yeah. Definitely they'll hire someone with their experience because mm-hmm. they know they would have to they would have to invest less in that person because that person has experience. Mm-hmm. So it's always best that once you come to undergraduate, properly focus on your career, properly focus on your job, um, uh, like uh, build your connections, build your network, and after you're done with your two years of uh, uh, work. Then consider applying for your master's and go do your master's and whatever you want to pursue it. Uh, because the job is also, trust me, the job is also going to help you decide where you want to do your master's. Yes. So a lot of students, um, they might do engineering and they might do master's in engineering as well. Yeah. And then when they enter the job market, they realize that my engineering is not going to help me at all in any field. I need to have an MBA, I need to have some master's in business. Mm-hmm. I need to have some business. Now they've already ended up doing their masters. Mm-hmm. Now what will they do? Will they pay again and do their masters again? Because see, so that's that's very important. You have to spend uh, at least two years in uh, in the work sector and understand 
what the demand is what the next demand is mm-hmm. so for example maybe you end up doing masters in some field that wasn't so much known now consider the example now let's consider a good example i finished uni with a bachelor's in uh, let's say um, international business and marketing okay i ended up with a job in some market or advertising firm after two years i saw at the end of two years i saw maybe or even within those two years i saw that there's a lot of uh focus towards digital marketing there's a there's like there are like higher career jobs towards digital marketing they are paying more they have a much better career timeline and they have like there's you can see that growth you can actually you can actually like you can actually judge after two years working in a corporate sector what the demand is and what people are looking for what employers are looking for true, true, true. so leverage on that opportunity to go to your masters in something that is in demand that is popular that is the talk of the town mm-hmm. so that once you do your masters in that then you can like end up getting a promotion like maybe you can get a uh, a senior job you can end up with a better salary you can end up with much more benefits and perks and maybe you will end up with a much better company like a company with has uh, a better or which may has a greater like uh, presence or even has like a good starting and reputation so that masters once you're doing it after years two years that will actually help you uh, in that field as well so don't rush into stuff look around observe listen to people listen to your employers listen to the market that's what i say listen to the market it is changing it is evolving quite rapidly and it's going to change every year i think we're going to see new trends so try to look for the trends understand your strengths and then see what you really want to do your masters in all right all right i think uh, we have covered all the challenges and the pain points of uh, this topic uh, is there anything else you would like to add to this no uh, i think uh, from my end as well i would just like to summarize uh, some of my uh, points as well some of my tips maybe for people who might be skipping the entire podcast <laughs> yes. and uh, jumping into the conclusion true, true, true. for them i would say um first decide what your objectives and goals are okay. you need once you start a uni you need to have something in mind you need to have like a proper road map of what you really want to do in your life right mm-hmm. um that's first thing that's the first thing second thing is um you you had already decided what you really want to study um in those three years fine you want to spend the first year like partying and all of that stuff enjoying your life as an undergraduate fine but once you're done with your first year spend the next 2 3 years on your uh, on your skills try to learn new skills see what skills are in demand what employers are looking for in in, uh, in the new workforce so try to like learn those new skills and look for uh, internships that are relevant to your uh, studies so for example if you're studying marketing look for a job in marketing if you're studying computers computer sciences then look for a job in the it in the it sector or the software uh industry so look for relevant jobs uh look for relevant internships and once you're done with those internships stay connected with your employers build up on that connections meet up with them stay in touch with them again at the same time try to uh, look at what the market trends are what's uh, what skills are in demand and then once you finish your uni you reach out to your employers you reach out to your connections uh, and uh, look for uh, permanent jobs but when you're looking for permanent jobs don't 
wait for uh, your degree to finish try to look for try to look or even try at least try shortlisting yeah. uh, the jobs and the industries that you want to work in in your at the start of the final year so spend the final year focusing on your job and focusing on your career mm-hmm. and then uh, once you do end up with a job um, try to be consistent in that job work hard i mean the first two years are definitely tough and challenging because you're uh, first time working like in a proper uh, workforce because there is a huge difference between working as an intern and working as a full time employee yeah right so once you're working as a full time employee make sure that you're consistent make sure you're hard working mm-hmm. and make sure you're like on top of the game you have to be competitive and then you do your masters is something that is relevant that is uh, popular that is in demand that can actually help you build your uh, that can actually build on maybe your undergraduate study or maybe that master's degree would help you enter a new uh, field that is in that is in demand or might be like allow you or help you to end up with a high end career job so do your masters and then you like then you are just free to um jump into any sector that you are like looking to jump yes. into yes 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 uh, uh... With that, all right, uh, we have reached towards the end of our first episode of this podcast series uh, with more to follow soon. Um, uh, thanks for joining me and Maneeb on this fruitful conversation and uh, we hope it was informative. And uh, please remember to follow us on our social media platforms to keep yourself up to date on our upcoming events and uh, other various important career-related news. Uh, also, please uh, share as much as you can. Um, this podcast may be informative and may be helpful for other uh, for other uh, peers of yours. So, if you could, please do that. And also, if you have any feedback on today's episode, please feel free to leave your comments or email us at manashcareerpeer at gmail dot com, and we would love to hear from you. Uh, join us next time next time for more interesting discussions. And until then, uh, take care and goodbye.